Welcome to Debt Free Degree, the podcast that can help you help your teen attend college with less debt and more success. Denise's two homeschooled kids attended college on $199,000 in scholarships for four years debt free with cash left over. We're starting a movement to help all parents figure this out so you and your teen can rest easy and look forward to living the life of your dreams. Now here's your host, Denise Thomas. I have an awesome guest for you today. We are speaking with Steve Gardner. Steve is an educator and a Harvard graduate who has helped students from around the world earn admittance to top schools such as Harvard, Stanford, UC Berkeley, and much more. The best part is before becoming a full-time educator, Steve worked in personal development and high-performance training, and he loves introducing high-impact strategies and mindsets to teens in his online course, the Ivy League Challenge. Steve, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you so much for having me. This is what a pleasure. It's an honor to be here. Well, I'm really excited that you're here today. And first, I'd like to ask you, what is it that brought you to help teens in this manner? <laughs> what a great question. Um, yeah, might as well start off with the real, the meat, right? Um, so I'm an educator. I teach at an international school in Singapore, and I've taught in schools around the world, including in the United States. But before that, I actually was a high-performance trainer. I, as, as you read in your introduction there, I trained Olympic athletes and professional athletes. I, I trained musicians. Um, I, I did personal development work and high-performance training with a number of adults. And what's interesting is that, so some of the people that I work with were actually at elite levels. They were professionals and they wanted to get just one millisecond faster or, or just slightly better. Um, but a lot of the people that I worked with were, were regular people who needed to find their own values, who didn't know, they weren't engaged in life and they, they didn't dare go out and, and really pursue their dreams. And to see that in adults, uh, it was, it was eye-opening and it was, it was really meaningful work. And then when I started working in high schools and, and started teaching students, which was always my dream to be in the classroom, and, and turns out it's, it's, it's a dream come true. It really is amazing to be in the classroom and be surrounded by the energy of teenagers. And it's just, it's just beautiful. But when I started teaching full-time, I began to realize that these students have the exact same issues as their parents. The people that I used to work with as adults in their 50s and 60s and 70s or even later, uh, they still hadn't found their values. They still hadn't identified what really engages them in life and what really makes them come alive. And, and it started to make sense when I look at teenagers and say, there's nothing, you know, as, as a teacher, the system encourages me to tell teenagers what they should value and what, sh what should be important how I assess their performance. And uh, there's not a lot of space there for encouraging students to identify what's important to them and help them understand why it's important to them so that they do some of that, you know, really critical personal development growth work. And so, uh, you know, how did I get involved working with teenagers? I love their energy. I love th this, you know, there's nothing in life that, that gives me more joy and gives me more energy than to see someone 
after after a conversation or after working together for you know shifting to shift a mindset or to do something to see a child or an adult but it, it, now i work with teenagers to see a child really shift for the better and really decide that they're going to engage in life and 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 take off uh, honestly there's just nothing more exciting nothing more meaningful in the world and so i i can't get enough of it to be honest it's it's beautiful that is really awesome but what i'm hearing you say and correct me if i'm wrong that we're not talking about just you know how to get into college how to how to get it accepted this goes really far beyond that would you say that 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 the importance of learning these these their own values and their own confidence and skills that this is more than just for right now for these kids this really does take them beyond college into more of a scope of you know life that's that's beautiful you nailed it you know when i was studying at harvard uh, I look around at, at my classmates and, and the other students. I did not see people who believed that the time they were investing in their day at the time was to be spent some other day, some other time. Okay, in other words, these weren't people who believed that college was there to prepare them for their first job. And they didn't get to Harvard because they believed that high school was there to prepare them for college uh, or that middle school is all about preparing for high school. And now that I'm an educator, I see this in parents, in other teachers, and certainly throughout the student body. I see middle school students who believe that the, the point of middle school is to prepare for high school. I need to work really hard because high school is coming. And that high school, the whole point is to work really hard so that you can go to college. And, and, um, and then college is to get your first job. And your first job is for your second job. It's, it's a mindset that just has got to stop right? Because you will reach your 50s and 60s and still be wondering when you're going to start living your life, when you're going to start being your best self. And when I was studying at Harvard, it was a campus full of people who were fully engaged in life. Not everyone. I'll, I'll admit, not everyone, but the vast, vast majority. And the people that I spent my time with, that I ate lunch with, that I had classes with, that I did study groups with, those students were fully engaged in life. And when we shared stories about high school or before, those were stories about fully engaging in life as a middle school student or as a high school student. There's nothing in the rule book that says that as teenagers, we can't contribute to society, that we can't make a difference. But somehow, so many people have this locked in mindset that, that I need to work hard so that I can get to the next step. And that some other day, some other time, I'll be qualified, and then I'll make my impact, then I'll do my thing, then I'll live my life. And I just think that has got to stop. So we're really just, we're just looking at that one next step, that next two, three, or four-year period, when the truth is we could be and should be looking far beyond that. And in doing so, it actually gives us a path to go on. It, it helps us to really be engaged and as you and I were talking before our, our live interview, what does the Gallup poll say about adults in the workforce? <laughs> well, it's not just the Gallup poll, it's, it's absolutely consistent. So there is a Gallup poll that comes out pretty consistently at the, and we're talking tens of thousands of, res, of responses. These are statistically significant numbers, but yeah, Gallup says that adults, are 85% of working adults are somewhere on the disengagement spectrum. Uh, and many of those are actively disengaged, as in they're literally sabotaging their employers. Um, but most of them are just disengaged. They're just not into work. They, they don't get excited to come to work. Well, guess what? 
once you hit eighth grade, so there's the fifth grade slope, and then there's the eighth grade cliff. And educators who are listening in are familiar with both of these terms, because in fifth grade, students start to slip and they start to, you know, they, their values start to shift. They start to um, begin to pay more attention to their peers than their teachers and parents. And that's normal and natural and healthy. There's nothing wrong with that. In eighth grade, those same students begin to fall off a cliff. And so educators are familiar with the fifth grade slope and the eighth grade cliff. But uh, once you hit eighth grade and beyond, the numbers are almost identical. About 85% of high school students from eighth grade on are somewhere on the disengagement spectrum. Only about 15% are engaged in their day-to-day -day activities as a high school student. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it, it's not right. <laughs> we need to do something about this. And it's for the same reasons, right? If we could engage high school and middle school students in their values, if we can help them identify what really charges them and, and what really makes them come to life, help them recognize that they have a voice and that their, their opinions and that their, impact, their uh, activities matter. If they can begin to believe that as middle school students, guess what? They're going to be better high school students, not because they worked really hard to prepare for high school, but because they really engaged in middle school. And if we can do that for high school students, guess what? We create the kinds of students that the Harvards and the Princetons and, and the other top tier universities in the world are looking for. They're not looking for people who work really, really hard and multitask really, really well. Uh, I, I just, I mean, it, it's amazing how many, I get the picture that my students and, and often their parents believe that if they can, if they can submit an application to college that, that shows that their student was really good at multitasking, that somehow the admissions officer is going to see that and say, wow, a multitasker, let's get this guy in, right? Let's get this student in. It's, it's absolutely, uh, it's, it's, it's not happening, okay? They're not looking at applications and saying, wow, 20 activities, 500 hours of, of community service, let's get that person in. If they can multitask that well in high school, imagine what they could do in college. Uh, I'm, I'm being facetious, but, but it's true that some people believe that that's just working yourself to the bone um, is the way to, to get admitted. It's not. You don't get admitted into the NBA so that you can train to become a better basketball player. You don't get admitted to Harvard because you've been a really hard worker and you've been multitasking really, really well. So now we'll teach you how to become a great uh, you know, citizen of the world. We'll teach you how to make your impact. That's not what happens. Instead, it's the students who are authentic, who identify what their values are, and they, they choose activities that authentically reinforce those values so that they're making a bigger impact on their community. Those are the students who Harvard says, look, once, once they leave Harvard or, or whatever university, right? Once they leave our university, they're gonna continue making an impact. And with our resources and our support, they can make an even bigger impact. These are the world changers that's the guy, that's the gal that we want in our, on our campus. Let's go get them. And so, yeah, it's, it's all about, you know, the personal development and being your fully engaged, most authentic self as early as you can is exactly the thing that gets you to stand out. That's what gets you admitted to these top tier schools. So it's just nice that it, it just so happens that the things that, that engage you for the rest of your life and that make life meaningful as an adult are the same things that would engage you now as a teenager. And those are the same things that helped you stand out and get admitted to a top tier school. Exactly. I think that's something that a lot of parents really need to understand is that 
uh, and well, in all honesty, parents, teens, and high school counselors, it's not just let's get it all in. That's not what they're looking for. They're looking for the student that has a passion or a focus in a particular area and makes an impact. You can make an impact right where you are. You don't have yeah. to, you know, solve all the world's problems at age 16. That's not what they're, they're expecting, you know, but even within your own little community, you can make a really big impact, even as a teenager. So yeah. when you look at these things though, what, what kind of obstacles are teens facing right now that you see in getting accepted into these colleges that they're applying to? Yeah, that's, that's such a great question. You know, there is, if, if I were to uh, bring in and, and just show you the faces of, of, you know, grade 12, grade 11 students who are going into their summer and grade 12 at the beginning of the year, that age group of students and their parents, you would see exhaustion, you would see overwhelm, you would see stress, you would see anything but full engagement in life. These are students who have been worked to the bone and they're poor parents. And what they're trying to do is chase after this strategy and that strategy. And they're, they're trying to research, oh, what is MIT like? Oh, let's, let's get signed up for that summer you know, robotics course because they like STEM students. What is Duke like? Oh, let's go ahead and let's do this or that. And, and just this constant mindset of, of, well, unfortunately, some bad advice, you know, the, 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 the map to elite university admissions has changed in the last 20 years. It, it's changed dramatically. And unfortunately, a lot of parents and even some high school counselors, college counselors, I, I really, most are doing excellent work, but there are, there, there is some bad advice out there that, that you need to be well-rounded, that you need to do as many activities as possible, that you need to spread yourself so thin. And of course, that's creating stress. And of course, that's creating this you know, this, this, it's a monster, right? It's creating this absolute monster. It's just not right. And so the first thing is the bad advice. Uh, that bad advice then leads to activities and overwhelm and stress that is not helpful. It's not helping you get admitted and it's, it's not helping you engage in, in your life today. And it's not helping you identify who you really are so that you can go to university and take full advantage of the resources that are there. Uh, and so there's, there's really no upside to this, this, you know, this pathway that most people seem to believe is the right pathway to get there. Well, and, and um, let's remember, one of those do it all that I've heard is take every AP course known to mankind. Mm -hmm. I mean, talk about just right. complete and total overwhelm. The child comes home from school and literally now has five, six, seven, eight hours worth of homework to do. And then they're trying to juggle activities and community service and maybe a job. I just don't even yeah. see how it's possible. Yeah. And, and it's, you know, <laughs> it's not really healthy. Uh, it's possible for a short term and, and kids are very resilient and, and ambitious kids can, can do way more than, than we believe they can do. They're, they're really impressive people, but yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, at some point you've just got to say, this is madness. Um, and, and so it is. So, so the bad advice, the, the overwhelming your schedule with activities that don't, don't seem to fit a theme, they don't, they don't help a, an admissions officer understand who you are so that they can vouch for you and they can, they can really, you know, uh, get you admitted. Um, it's, 
it's the bad advice followed by the stress and the overwhelm that in inevitably follows that kind of, of a strategy. That's what's keeping kids from engaging in school and that's what's keeping them from getting admitted to the top schools. They believe that they need to go off and become the person that the universities are looking for. And if they can become that person better than other people, then they'll get admitted. And they don't realize that that, that person was just one of, of a number of different kinds of people who were admitted to the school. I'll, I'll give you an example. I'll give you an example. One of, it's now a fairly famous example, but uh, one of the students who was admitted to UPenn, an Ivy League school, an outstanding school. I have, uh, I have friends who have attended and, and vouch for that school. Um, but she, she was admitted to UPenn and her college admissions officer, the person who vouched for her and, and, and got her to the finish line, helped her get admitted, said that the thing that we valued the most about this person was her kindness. And the most valuable letter of recommendation that we got was from her school janitor. The school janitor wrote her a letter of recommendation that said early on in grade nine, when she first stepped foot in the, in the school, she learned our names. And we spoke to her and we, we got to know her. And she learned about our backstories and she just talked to us as human beings. And pretty soon she was helping us after school when no one else was looking. And the kindness of this individual. And, and so there's this letter of recommendation from the school janitor and the admissions officer reads this and, and then sees the rest of the resume and reads her essays. And she says, wow, this person is exceptionally kind. We want that kind of person on our campus. Let's check our grades and, and test scores and make sure that she doesn't disqualify herself. Oh, look, she barely made it in. Let's get her in here, right? Her grades are just good enough that she doesn't fully disqualify herself. Her SAT scores aren't that impressive, but she didn't disqualify, disqualify herself with a, a poor test score. And she's got something outstanding to contribute to campus. We want her on our campus. And so her big thing was kindness. It wasn't STEM or robotics or, or any, any of the other things that you think UPenn is looking for, right? And so, uh, yeah, it's, it's just the obstacles that students face in getting to their dream university is they're getting bad advice. So they're taking bad actions that are overwhelming them and stressing them out. And then second of all, what I mentioned just at the beginning of our conversation, that you know a lot of students they are learning from their parents and then their teachers what they should value. And so it's not, it's sad, but it's not surprising that very, very few teenagers know what they value. They know what their personal values are. Well, if you don't know what your personal values are, then you're probably going to, if you don't love school, you're probably going to want to escape from school into video games and social media and that's going to lead to a whole you know, myriad of, of this downward spiral of activity and performance and everything else. But if you know what your values are and you engage those values in authentic ways, guess what? You're not trying to escape from life into video games and social media. You're engaging in life. And that extra engagement, that extra spark and enthusiasm will actually spill over into your classes. It'll spill over into your test results. You'll perform far better just in general if you can engage in, in your values. So the fact that it's so hard for students to identify what their values are, and there are so few venues for students to engage in their personal values and make an impact, uh, combine that with the bad advice that students get. And of course, you can understand why, so, you know, why it's so difficult for students to set themselves apart and, and to 
to get admitted to these top tier schools. Wow, that's, I, I think a lot of that is eye-opening to most parents because, you know, like you said, we hear all the time, well, do this, do that. They're looking for that well-rounded student. No, that was 30 years ago. Mm-hmm. That's not what colleges are looking for today. Uh, well, right. let me ask you then, Steve, how does your course, the Ivy League Challenge, address some of these challenges or these obstacles that, uh, that children are facing today? <laughs> Great question. Well, we address them. We, we, I created the course for this reason, right? So we began right off the bat in module one. We, every student who participates commits to the Ivy League Health Challenge. Now, here's the thing, if, if your body and your mind are not, if you don't have the stamina, you're not going to be able to engage the way that, uh, that this, kind of, this kind of activity and this lifestyle demands, right? So, uh, you know, students get started right off the bat learning about waking up and stretching in the morning, which I almost never have a student come into the program who does that. Getting enough sleep, getting enough water, right? Uh, moving, and, and we teach students some very tactical things back from my days of of training CEOs and training elite performers, what's the optimal you know, amount of time that you can focus before you need a break? What's the best way to take a break? What about those days when you really need to put in 10, 12, 14 hours so that you can be prepared because it's crunch time, it's finals. What about those times? Well, there's, there's things that you need to do long-term and then there's very tactical strategies that you need to be aware of so that you can keep your brain fresh for 10 and 12 hours in a day. If you don't know these these recovery strategies, then you don't think that's possible. If you've tried to push yourself, you know at four hours in, you fall off a cliff and you can't really get back up. You can try to push yourself, but you're at 20, 30, maybe 40% efficiency. By the time you finished your first, you know, your first four-hour marathon, you take a 20-minute break, it wasn't enough to refresh yourself. An hour-long break wasn't enough. And you really have to sleep the night in order to refresh your brain and get back up. Well, what if you learned some strategies that were just tactical in nature that, that kept your brain focused for 10, 12, 14 hours in a day? And, and we can do that. We can absolutely do that. The neuroscience is there and, and it's there. So the, we start off with the Ivy League Health Challenge, getting your body and your mind in shape. We learn about you know, positive affirmations. We learn about how to think about yourself and what to do with fear. We learn about imposter syndrome and all of the things that I experienced and I witnessed at Harvard. Uh, I witnessed on the way in and the way out of Harvard. I mean, we, we go through the mindset and those issues. Then once we understand kind of we've gotten ourselves in shape, we, we commit to be the best version of ourselves that we can be, then we get into the strategic things around admissions, identifying your core values, which we've talked a lot about today. So I won't spend a lot more time, but that's really the first step. Once you identify your values, then we shift to this, you know, this uh, understanding that there are there are events occurring around you that, that you care about, that are in your sphere of concern, that you have no influence over. And so let's shift your focus into your sphere of influence. What are the things that you can control? And, and that's, again, a mindset shift that very few teenagers, uh, you know, this is the kind of thing that parents are, are aware of and teachers are aware of, and they try to tell teenagers all the time, but teenagers don't want to hear it from their parents or from their teacher but they're willing to hear it from a Harvard graduate who isn't their parent or their teacher uh, who you know, gives them the exact same advice and now suddenly their ears are open and they're, oh, that's how you got into Harvard? Okay, yeah, let me do it. 
suddenly they're willing and they're they're willing recipients of that of that knowledge as long as the vehicle is correct. So we teach them about their sphere of influence and, and focusing their energy and their time on their sphere of control, the things that they do have control over, rather than their sphere of concern, which is stuff that's outside of their control. All right. Once we understand all of that, then we bring in the impact project. So what breaks your heart? What makes you angry? Uh, what are the things that violate your values? We identify the values, we identify the problems inside your sphere of influence that violate those values. And then let's begin engaging in life, right? Begin your impact project, start making a difference. Even though when you're 14 years old or you're 15 years old or 16 or 17, your, your sphere of influence might be tiny. That's true. It might be tiny, but it exists. And you can begin making a difference inside your sphere of influence. And as you begin making your difference, two things happen. One, you develop new skills because you're going to fail and you're, you're going to reflect on your failure and figure out why it didn't work out the way you wanted it to. And then as you reflect, you're going to get better at trying again and you're gonna try again and, and your failure is going to be better than the last failure. And you're going to develop new skills. You're gonna develop the exact same skills that the elite schools are looking for in students because they know that even if opportunity comes to you and you haven't developed the skills to take advantage of the opportunity, it's just going to pass you by. And at most, you're going to recognize that there was an opportunity that you didn't take advantage of and you might feel embarrassed, but most likely you won't even recognize the opportunity in the first place because you don't have the skills to see what's happening. And so that's the first thing, you develop skills and you develop an awareness. The second thing is that when you focus your energy and your time on your sphere of influence, you're the trust level that people around you have for you. And the fact that you're keeping commitments to yourself and to others, your sphere of influence begins to expand. And as that sphere of influence begins to expand, your impact, your skills are developed, your sphere of influence grows, and so your impact grows as well. And we have seen students do absolutely amazing things. They start when they're 14 trying to figure themselves out. And by the time they're 17, they're in national or international media because they've done amazing things. I, I have a student who, uh, who created a gender neutral textbook for, her economic, for economic students because she was so upset that, that economics textbooks are so gender biased. And so she had developed the skills and the mindset to recognize when something violates her values and she took advantage as a high school student and her textbook was good enough, that her gender neutral textbook was good enough that uh, middle schools all around her area had already begun adopting her textbook and purchasing her textbook by the time she applied to Stanford and of course was admitted to Stanford. Uh, these are the impact that you can make becomes real and authentic by the time you're 15, 16, 17 if you begin and you start just working within whatever you've got. Your sphere of influence is tiny at the beginning, but it's, it exists. And so you start where you are, you develop those skills, you grow your sphere of influence, and you scale that impact project over the years so that by the time it's, it's, it's time to write your essays, you know what to write about. By the time it's time to apply, your letters of recommendation are by far the best because everyone knows about your impact project and they write these glowing letters of recommendation because you engage in life unlike almost everyone else, you're doing amazing things uh, and you're not faking any of it at any point. None of it is for show. None of it is because you think that's what anyone else is looking for. None of it is going to lead to imposter syndrome. 
it's going to lead to this high level of self-confidence, a high level of self-awareness and self-efficacy, and just, just this a life that is far more engaged and far more meaningful. And it just so happens that that's how you set yourself apart and get admitted to, to these elite schools. So we go through that entire process. There's more that's involved. You know, we, you do need some support with reaching out to, uh, to professors so that they can scale your project. We teach you exactly how to reach out to professors, give you templates, emails. I invite a professor into the class to teach us. You know, uh, he, he, he is very, very enlightening. He receives about 100 emails a week, he says, from, from people who want to do research with him. So he tells us exactly what he's looking for because he does do research with, with high school and, and college students. Uh, but he's looking for specific things when he gets those emails and he's going to ignore about 99, 98 out of 100 of those emails, he's going to completely ignore. So what is he looking for? So we bring in you know, all these strategic uh, things that, that really help students set themselves apart. But all of it is based in this foundation of identifying your core values, making an impact that uh, around something that is meaningful to you within your sphere of influence, and then we just scale, then we just build, and we build better and better evidence that this is who you are, and this is what makes you special, and all of it is authentic. So it just leads to this you know, exceptional level of, of self-awareness and, and confidence and, and everything else. So, that's kind of the process that we go through in the Ivy League Challenge. It's 100% it's online, which uh, is because of COVID-19 and, and because we have a, a student base that is very international. That's really exciting. One of the fun things is that students in the program, you're working with a, a, a peer group of really, really ambitious students that also wanted to be part of the Ivy League Challenge. So, uh, you know, maybe your impact relates to someone else's impact project and we see students support each other and help each other along the way the entire time it's a it's a beautiful thing that's awesome steve it sounds like quite a bit of your program uh would really help with the the after the student is already in college you know for their what i call college success a lot of what you're talking about mm -hmm. they'll be using not just in high school but throughout college and probably beyond as well the, the skills that they're Absolutely. learning uh, everything. I'm just, I'm really impressed with that. But let me ask you this. So I mentioned, yes, I know college students are going to benefit from this as well, but how early should parents be thinking about this and getting information and, and getting their kids started? You know, how does, what, what's the idea yeah. or, the, or the best case scenario? <laughs> you know what? Um, if, if your strategy is the, the uh, bad advice that we talked about earlier, if your strategy is to stress out over, uh, you know, unlimited AP courses and hundreds of hours of, of volunteer work and everything else that is just so stressful and, and so unhelpful. If that's the advice, then, then just wait until the last minute, procrastinate just like everyone does and, and don't do it, <laughs> okay? But if your strategy is to identify your personal values and then authentically live those values so you're more engaged in life so that you're happier and more confident and more authentic, um, why wouldn't you begin earlier? Why wouldn't you begin earlier? I find that some students are ready even as early as seventh grade. They're mature enough to, to begin able to recognize their values. Uh, before that, very, very rare. Uh, rare for students that are any younger than that to really be able to do the, the introspective work, uh, the self-reflection that is necessary to, to pull out those values 
their parents might be able to do some with them and their parents might understand some of it if, if they have a good relationship. But generally I say uh, eighth grade for most students, um, end of eighth grade is a great time, ninth grade for sure. And um, you're already behind if you're waiting beyond ninth grade, <laughs> which, you know, don't let that stress you out. If you're in 11th grade or 10th grade and, and you haven't started yet, you still want to identify your values as soon as possible. I'll tell you what most people do. Most people, because it's so stressful and because, you know, it's, not, it's so overwhelming, most people wait until they have to submit their, their application, like in two weeks, and then they're trying to figure out what to write their essays about, and they don't even know what their personal values are, let alone have a track record of authentically living those values, let alone have amazing evidence of making an impact because of those values, let alone be able to reach out to a college professor and say, you know that research I helped you with? Can you write a letter of recommendation for me? Uh, because by far those are the most powerful letters of recommendation that you can have. Uh, but anyway, yeah, if you're, if, you're, if you're doing the old strategy, following the bad advice, you know, it's not terrible to wait until the summer of your senior year, to, to wait until the summer leading to your senior year to begin your application process, because you're going to be floundering anyway. It's just going to be one big stressful mess. But well, and if that, your and that's strategy, what we're told, right? That's what we're told is, yeah. is to wait until, you know, mid to late junior year to start thinking about and doing anything college related. And uh, it is a recipe for disaster. It's tragic. It is. <laughs> it's uh, tragic. But, but as you said, you know, it's not that, and I'll tell people, it's, it's not that you've, uh, that there, that's a lost cause. That, that's not the truth. Mm. What you have, though, is that you have some catching up to do. And that catching up, we need to really hone that and focus on it. And let's get to brass tacks here. Let's yeah. get it all yeah, done. Yeah, you need to be on the fast track. That's exactly. right. Yeah. That's exactly right. That's awesome. The earlier you can begin, the more engaged you're going to be, the more confident Absolutely. you're going to be, the more self-aware you're going to be, and the, the more you can scale your impact. So sure. I like earlier by far, but whenever, whenever you realize that you want to engage in life, that's the time. Exactly. And I'll tell parents the same thing, because when it comes to thinking about college finances, again, we're told don't even take those ACT and SAT exams until middle to late junior year. Well, that didn't work out really well for the vast majority of U.S. citizens mm -hmm. in the COVID year, I like to call it. Um, of course. The yeah. earlier, if you feel that your child is somewhat mature, compared to their other peers in their classroom. This is the time to start thinking about and acting on both Steve and I's programs. Our programs are very symbiotic because they work with your child, with who they are right now. And let's get them honed in to what impact they can make in the world right now. Because you'd be surprised. I know a lot of parents think, oh, I have an average kid. Um, there's no such animal. Everyone has something yeah. special and it's a diamond in the it. rough. You just don't know how to recognize what the diamond looks like in its rough That's state. Right. If you can polish it, you'd be amazed at what you have there. Yeah. 100% correct. Absolutely. Well, Steve, where can parents get more info about the Ivy League challenge? I understand it. You're going to be opening it up pretty soon. Yeah, uh, the, I mean, we've only been open as a, uh, as a wait list for the last uh, several weeks because all of the cohorts are full, but we are opening new cohorts uh, in late June. So 
Um, the waitlist will change to a registration page in the next couple of days, which if you're posting, if you're, if this podcast is going live, you know, three or four days after we record, it, it may already be live. So uh, we can also post a link in the show notes, I assume. Absolutely. Uh, that I can give, I can give to you and that, that might make it simpler. Just go to the show notes and, and um, I'll know that, uh, yeah, you can, you can sign up. Uh, registration uh, is beginning probably as soon as this podcast goes live for our summer now, 2021. And then the registration doors will close once those two cohorts are full. And uh, we'll do two cohorts in June, July, August. It's a six-module, 12-week course, but you're, you're, uh, it's very, very, very symbiotic with the other summer courses or the other summer programs that you're doing. So I find that a lot of students who want to join the Ivy League Challenge are worried that it's going to overwhelm them. And uh, I, I let them know, look, it's a two-hour commitment once a week. We have a live call with me. I do the training. Then we put the recording in your members area. Everything else is asynchronous, so you do everything else on your own time. And the, the key here is that if you're doing some amazing program or you're working or you're, you're doing an internship or whatever you're doing during the summer, this is only going to help you be more engaged and more focused on the things that you're doing. Because we're going to, we're going to you know, the Ivy League Health Challenge by itself will get more out of your summer program that you're already planning to do than you would have gotten out of it without joining the Ivy League Challenge. So the Ivy League Health Challenge will get your body and your mind in shape and your mindset where it needs to be. And then if you're already doing something really cool, well, then let's, let me teach you about how to leverage that really cool thing and how to connect it to your values so that you're setting yourself up for success. So you know how to generate the evidence that the universities are looking for. So that you, anyway, it's just so that you're setting everything you're doing everything the right way so you're not spinning your wheels and, and wondering what you're supposed to be doing. And so um, it's a 12-week course, but uh, the commitment is that, that you want to fully engage in life. And then everything else is going to be, will work with your schedule. Your members area is asynchronous except for a live call. There will be times where, uh, where you and I can speak personally and make sure that you're on the right track. I mean, all of that is, is included in the Ivy League Challenge, but it's designed so that whatever your other commitments are, it's we're only going to enhance your productivity in those areas. That's the goal. Uh, that is the that is the result that we see, because a lot of students who join are are ambitious and their summers are already full, um, and they wish they had heard about this six months ago so they could sign up. And then if I have ten minutes with them, I can explain. Look. If you're already full, this is the best thing you can do because you'll make the most of the other activities that you're doing. And you'll cut through all of the noise so that you know what matters and what's valuable for your application process. And because we're doing this in a way that most authentically engages you and your values, you might discover that some of your other summer activities weren't as valuable as you thought. And it's better to, to discover that sooner than later. The most important thing you can do is, is this work that we do in the Ivy League Challenge. That's fantastic. <laughs> fantastic. Well, parents, make sure that you go to the website, go to the show notes. There'll be a link in there. You can just click on it. I'm so excited about this program. I think that it's going to be beneficial for so many students. I just love it. I, I wish that I could take the class because I could use a little bit of a pick me up every now and then as well. <laughs> 
Uh, it's, it's beautiful. It's the most meaningful thing that I've ever done in my life. And that includes the, you know, the work I did with professional athletes and professional musicians. There's something special about working with teenagers and knowing that this impact is going to remain. You know, this is my impact project. This is something that, that, that uh, resonates with my values and seeing teenagers come to life and, and just fully engage in life is, is the most meaningful thing that, that I could possibly be doing. So I, I love, I love, love, love working with your teenagers. If they're ready to engage in life, send them along. I'd love to work with them and, and see what we can do together. That is fabulous. Steve, thank you so much for being with me on the show today. I really appreciate it. I look forward to having the students in your class. Thank you so much. Well, parents, if you don't have a mentor to help you walk you through the high school to college process, give me a call here at Get Ahead of the Class at DebtFreeDegree.com. Thanks for listening to the show. Please rate and review the podcast, download and share with friends. You can go to DebtFreeDegreePodcast.com for more info and free downloads. Once again, that's DebtFreeDegreePodcast.com. See you next time.